Obama said, I got diagnosed with prostate cancer. And he says, well, I had it 13 years ago, and I won't take you and Amy out to lunch. And I want you to explain to you what I went through and give you some advice what to look for and how to handle this thing, and I'm going to order you a book. I said, okay. Hung the phone up, looking forward to getting with, with him. And the next day, my phone rings, and a friend calls. said, you hear what happened to Bob? I said, no. said, he fell in his bathroom, and he hit his head, and he had aneurysm, brain aneurysm. He died. And I said, my goodness, I just talked to him yesterday. We're supposed to go to lunch. So I just kept moving on. I felt terrible about it because he was one of the best people I've ever known. I mean, he was a smart, godly man. I depended on him. I trusted him. He'd tell me something you could take at the bank. It was true, and he was gone. So I felt a little bit alone, but I walked this thing out, and I'm praying, God, show me what to do. They want me to go look to a surgeon. They want me to go here to a radiologist. I don't know what the insurance is going to cover. I don't know. You can just heal me, take this off of me. Let's go. Well, about a day and a, about a day later, I open my mailbox, and this book comes in the mail. He ordered the book before he died. He died less than 24 hours after I talked to him. But he went in and sent me the book, and I felt like he was speaking to me from the grave. So I started reading the book, and when I got through, there was no question what I needed to do. Now, I'm going to show you how God works. Some of you have some problems. Does anybody here have trouble today? Anybody have? Okay. Well, let me give you a word. God's already fixed it. He's already given you the answer, and you've just got to wait on him. He's made preparations. He said he will meet every one of our needs, and he doesn't lie. His word is true. And whatever that need is, if it's financial, if it's healing, whatever it is, he's taking care of it. So rest in it. So anyway, I take the book, read it. I call these people. The place that can treat me, there was only 12 of them in the United States. For years, there was only one out in California. Now, the doctors and Tyler were supposed to call and set up consults. I'd waited two weeks. Now, when somebody tells you you got cancer, you don't want to wait two weeks to move on, do you? You want to get on with it. You want to figure out. You don't want to get worse. You want to get it done. Well, they waited two weeks and still hadn't heard from them. I called call these people, and within they told me to fill out an application online. Within I'll show you how God works. Within 20 minutes, they called back, had a consult scheduled through Zoom with the doctor, he had already approved my insurance and is ready to go. So the, guy, the doctor talked to me on the Zoom. I sent him all the stuff he needed. They would already gathered it from the doctors. and they, come, they scheduled me to come in and start doing the prep work. Well, it's, it's kind of a blur. It's like I didn't do anything. Now, how many of you had health problems and you fought like crazy to get something taken care of? You didn't know where to go. Nobody answered questions. They wouldn't call you back. You're on hold for days. And this is like, well, I'll put it to you this way. If you get in God's anointing and you flow in the direction with him, that's the way it's supposed to work. Okay? So he's teaching me that if I will trust him, I get in his flow, he'll take care of it. So we got all that set up and ready to go. So Amy... She's been going to chiropractor. She's having trouble with her back. She's a dental hygienist. She bends over all the time. We thought, well, maybe it's something there. 
six months, couldn't get anything done. She said, maybe we've changed our mattress. Maybe that's what it is. So we went and spent a bunch of money we didn't have, bought a mattress. I'm going to back up a little bit. Y'all remember the coronavirus when it first hit? Well, my job quit. I lost $120,000 the first go-round. I'm still losing because they're still trying to shut us down. So I had a crossroad. Do I panic? Do I get mad? What's getting mad going to do? I had one choice, and that was to put my trust in my maker. And he says, I will meet all of your needs out of my riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. But I'm your responsibility. I did everything in my hand to do that I could do. And I'm at that crossroad. I'm at that Red Sea moment where I can't do anything unless you do it. Guess what? That's where he works the best. So instead of panicking, I said, and I had to do it daily. Many times a day. And I, there's someone in here has got to hear this. Because you're struggling and you're fighting it. Quit fighting it and give it to God. Well, how do you do it? I've been 33 years trying to figure that out. Every day. First thing I say, good Lord, good morning, Lord, good morning, Jesus, good morning, Holy Spirit. I trust you. This is the day you have made. I'll rejoice and glad in you because I trust you. Then a doubt comes. No, I trust you, Lord. Just keep saying it and keep saying it. Eventually it'll get in your heart. So I decided to trust God. No money coming in. Amy got laid off for a little while. It coincided with Social Security, where I started getting a Social Security check, but anybody that gets it knows you can't live on it. It might buy you a few hamburgers, but that's about it. But it helped. Anything will help. We had an opportunity to get a PPP loan for small businesses. I'm self-employed. They do nothing for you. You don't have an unemployment benefit. They offered a PPP loan that would pay my house payment and my car payment for about one month. So that wasn't much. And then they came up with a small business loan for a low-interest, long-term note. So I told Amy, I said, well... Let's take it. Let's do it. So we got this money in. But the strangest thing happened. We're crawling along, and my bills are getting paid. And we're not struggling. I didn't miss a meal. You can tell I had missed a meal. <laughs> so we're walking along. They're doing really good. And I'm not working. And there's no money coming in. But there's God. I didn't question it. I just keep walking it out. Remember I told you, get in that river of anointing, flow with him, it's easy. If you're struggling too hard and you're fighting it, you're not going the direction he wants you to go. So, the mattress didn't work for Amy. And her chiropractor says, go get an MRI. He says, you need to go straight to a surgeon. Well, they said the... Surgery would be $150,000. started out $150,000. Now, that's a, that's a sweet deal. Four-hour surgery, two hours in the hospital, $150,000. I buy a $150,000 house. It takes me 30 years to pay it off. How do they do it? Don't get me started. So she said, we can't afford that. And then they said, well, they can manage it with shots. And I said, no. 
you're a child of God, you deserve the best. And if it's not, if we're not going to manage pain, we're going to eliminate pain. We're either going to get praying God heal you right now, or you're going to get the surgery you need no matter what it costs. Well, how are we going to do that? I said, well, you've got insurance. Well, it's this Christian share program, right? Well, the problem with it, it's great. But you have to pay the doctor half up front and the hospital half up front. Well, it turned out they wanted like thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars up front. Do y'all run around with that in your pocket? Mm-mm. I do. Because I took a small business loan out and hadn't touched it, and we had the money sitting there. And God knew I was going to need the money for the surgery, so that's why He did it. He didn't give it to me until I needed it. So He provided. We got the surgery. Surgery went well, and I learned something through that surgery. I've always probably had a love problem. God says we're to love. And I see people, and I say, there's no way I can love that. How do you do it, God? Then I find someone even in my family that I cherish, but I still don't feel like I love them the way God loves them. I didn't understand it. But my wife. I said, Lord, take that from her and give it to me. Don't make her go through it. I want to do it for her. I love her enough that that's what I want. I don't want to see her suffer. I don't want to see her hurt. And I've never felt it that deep before. And it just got to me. So she gets the surgery comes home and she says you're going to have to help me and I said I know and I said and my sister's a nurse she, she can deal with that stuff but I won't, I'll turn it off on TV when it, I can't handle blood and guts can't handle that stuff I mean y'all deer hunting I don't even want to watch you skin a deer I just, I just meet so here my wife she's cut in the front cut in the back can barely move and I've got to tend to her well Chase went off to dog sit for her sister and my mother-in-law she came to stay and help me which has been a blessing we've had a great time we've gotten closer we've she's learned more about me there's so much i had never shared with her and we got that opportunity but she's here to help but amy said she says now and i'm not going to get graphic on this she says you're gonna have to help me and there's some things i'm not sure that I can do and I may need you to help me and I turned white in face froze and couldn't even speak I thought about it and the next morning I got up I told her I said I can do it whatever I have to do I can do it and God will get us through the hard stuff praise God he spared me that because when he first, she first told me I said I'd rather take a bullet than do that <laughs> But he spared me. 
Well, when I started my treatment, the first thing the doctor did, he says, for it to be really successful, I need to give you a hormone shot and start taking hormone pills. And I'm thinking, oh, good, you're going to jack my testosterone up and I'll be ready to go. He says, no, we're going to kill your testosterone. We're giving you female hormones. And I said, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. So they give me the shot and start on the pills. And the first thing I noticed is I couldn't drive past the mall without wanting to pull over and buy a purse. (laughs) And when Amy got some lipstick for Christmas, we were arguing over the color. (laughs) But it prepared me, I guess, because... I got to wash her hair, and I got to shave her legs, but we got through it, and she's getting stronger. She's getting so much stronger. Well, then Samuel calls, and he says, we got some food for you. I said, some food? He said, yeah, somebody in the church cooked you some food. And he came out, and he brought me some food and an envelope with some gas money in it. And that happened several times. I've never felt so humbled in my life. You don't know what that gesture meant to both of us. Just to know that someone cared enough to give something of theirs to us to help us. And then Amy brought my Amy the snow globe. I looked at that thing, I said, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not one that could care less about Christmas decorations. I'm just, that's not me. I'm a guy guy there. But this thing, something, it hit me. And I called and thanked them for it. And Samuel answered, and he told me the history on that. She got it, and it was one of her favorite things. And then it meant even so much more that she would give up something precious to her for us. And then God started dealing with me. I've been to the top of the mountain. I grew up, I was a go-getter, an achiever, overachiever. Everything I did, I tried to be the best. I was one of the best water skiers in the world. I built some of the finest hot rods, drag race boats, flown airplanes. I've been all around the world. I've just owned a golf course, built a golf course, tournament ski lake. I've lived three lifetimes in the first 30 years of my life. And I can honestly say if I died today, my life's been great. But when I became a Christian at the age of 33, things got hard. I was losing my golf course because the government changed the um, tax structure and it put us, everybody at that time was losing business and so forth. So we had to sell out, and my father came and said, you got to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And I'd been saved literally six months. I didn't know how to pray. And someone told me, said, well, you need to pray about it. And I said, well, how do you do that? So said, just talk to God. So in my childlike faith, I got on my knees, and I talked to him like I'm talking to you. And I said, Lord, 
And there's some, somebody in here needs to hear this, someone young. What did you create me for? What's my purpose on life? Why did you make me? You had to make me for a reason. What am I to do with my life? And the Lord spoke, and he says, you have a ministry at Garden Valley, this golf course that I owned. And I said, Lord, we're losing it. And he says, only for a season, I'm giving it back to you. And he showed me a vision, and I'm standing in this new building, looking out these tall glass windows, two fireplaces, either side of me, the front door behind. I'm looking out at my golf course and my ski lake I built, and I'm seeing another golf course. And these people are coming in the back door and coming up and hugging me and going getting a plate of food and going over to eat. And I didn't understand it, but I saw it. And I said, okay, Lord, what am I to do? And he gave me three things to do. And the third one was to trust him. That's the hardest thing I had to do in my life. Because I only trusted myself. I don't trust people because they let you down. How many times have you been let down? We all have. But God won't let you down. But he's trying to teach me that. So I'm sitting here believing what he spoke to me, and he's confirmed it many, many times. It's bizarre. He won't let me turn this vision loose. And the preacher said one time, if you truly have a vision from God, there's no way you can turn it loose. And I can't turn it loose. My wife's wanted to move. We wanted to move on and just release, and I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm hanging on and hanging on, and I don't understand. I'm praying every prayer. I'm binding. I'm loosening. I'm praying everything I can Nothing's happening. I just don't understand it, Lord. So he started dealing me with thankfulness over what you people did for us. I'd set my goals very, very high. And it's like I'm not going to be thankful until I achieve them. When I get there, then I'll be thankful. That's the wrong attitude. That's the attitude I had. I guess that's what kept me going. But that stymied me. And, you, and I've always heard the expression, you got to be thankful for the little things. Well, I appreciate the little things, but I truly wasn't thankful for them. But y'all's gift to me and Amy humbled me. You ever seen the show Overhauling? Somebody cares about somebody that's got this old beat-up car, and they get them to come steal the car, and they redo it and surprise them with this new car. It's the dream car. Well, always curious to see how they're going to react. If they're going to like the car, if they're going to appreciate the car, and so forth. And there's some of those people that the car is not the point. It's the fact that someone would do that for them. Well, that's the way I felt. I was so humbled for the gesture. It cut me really deep. And I've been praying. And get ready, because I've been praying blessings be heaped upon you. And those, don't try to jump in here because you're late and didn't do anything, and I don't want you to. But don't be jealous when these blessings come, because they're coming. They are coming. Because God's word says they'll come. And everyone that prayed for us, I pray blessings on you. And I was truly 
thankful. Just like I truly felt love, felt love towards my wife. And something broke in me. So then I'm walking this thing out and God starts talking again. I hadn't heard in a while. And he woke me up and he says, I'm fighting for you. And I said, well, fighting for me? I said, praise God. I trust you, Lord. And then he showed me he's loosing his angels over my life and the stuff he's wanting to do. And these angels are warring angels. They're not babies with wings. These are mighty warriors. And he's turning them loose from my behalf. And he's going to give me what he promised me. But it's something had to break before he could do it. And I'm 33 years waiting. What is it, Lord? I had to feel that deep love. And I had to feel the humbleness and that thankfulness. And the problem we have, we want God to do things, but are we truly thankful for God? And then there's an element called faith. And I don't want to mess your message up, but he's dealt with me on this. Did you know that everybody has faith? Sinners have faith. Christians have faith. Agnostics have faith. Everybody's got faith. But what do you have faith in? Now, there's some of us that we have faith that there is a God, and there's those that have faith that there's not a God. And in the church, there's those that have faith that God will and that God won't. Where is your faith? Now, you go back on your word. You're struggling. Did God say he would meet your need or did he say he wouldn't? Then put your faith in that. And quit looking at what Satan's showing you. Because his picture is bright and his sound is loud. He's always throwing. I'm, I walk around my golf course and pray every day. And every day he throws another obstacle to try to get me to turn loose of what God showed me. To try to discourage me to the point that I have had my tongue on the ground just worn out with it and ready to quit. And it hadn't changed until I started telling God, I trust you. Regardless of what I see, I trust you. Regardless of what's in my bank account, I trust you. And something is broken for me, and I want it to break for you. And God's ready to move now. He's been ready to move for me for years. I haven't been waiting on him. He's waiting on me. And I've been praying for all the gifts of the Holy, of the Spirit to operate in me. Not just the church. I want them to operate in me. I want God to use me any way he wants. He put me up here this morning, and I couldn't wait to do this to get it off of me. Because this is what he wants. God said he'd make bad, take bad, and make good of it. That's my mother-in-law's prayer for me, I think. <laughs> but he took coronavirus, cancer, and back surgery, and he's turning it around and making it good for me. And he wants to do the same thing for you. But you've got to trust him. You've got to have your faith in the right things, and you've got to be thankful for the little things and the big things. I'm on my way to receiving the promise. And I was walking yesterday after he told me he was releasing the angels. And I'm thinking, well, God, am I going to have to buy this thing back? Or how am I going to get it back in my hands? 
And he says, I'm going to drop it in your lap like a present. And I saw a box wrapped with a big red bow put in my lap. And when someone gives you a present, you don't work for it. You just open it. And when God's ready to do it, that's the way he's going to do it. And so that's what I'm standing on and believing by faith today and trusting in his word that he's going to do exactly what he promised me. And you can do the same thing, but if you leave faith, trust, or thankfulness out, you're going to delay the answer. And that's what I had to say today. Thank you. Woo, no, sir. Woo, that's, that's some good preaching. Anybody encouraged? Amen, amen, amen. So grateful to have Pastor Marcelo, Sister Doris, and their family back. They've been Virginia and Washington and all around, and we're so glad that they're back and healthy and uh, ready, ready to go. Amen. You know what? This, uh, this week, uh, we, we, we spent our week praying and fasting. And, uh, you know, fasting is not easy, is it? It's not fun. Uh, but we endured, and, and uh, I want to pray blessings on your life as uh, we get ready for this year. And then uh, I've got a word I want to share with you this morning. But I, I'm going to ask you. Uh, I, I know many fasted days. They fasted meals. Some gave up particular things. And everybody did something different. But if you fasted anything, if you gave something up this week, if you fasted a meal, if you did something, I want you just to stand to your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Father, I just want to say thank you. Lord, this week as our people, if we've put our faith and our trust in you, Lord, as each person has purposed in their heart, Lord, as they have done something, they've given up something that was meaningful to them, they said no to their flesh, Lord, so that their spirit could receive. Lord, I say thank you for it. Now, Lord, this has been a corporate fast. And I thank you, Lord, as we have all joined our faith together, Lord, believing that this year will be a year of restoration for our church, for our families, for us as individuals. And so, Lord, I just thank you that you honor their sacrifice. And, Lord, you would hear us as a corporate body. And, Lord, you would let your blessings flow upon this house and into their house. Lord, I just declare that you strengthen them, that you reward them, that you work in them your goodwill, and that, Lord, you just pour your blessings and your love into their lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. You may be seated this morning. Turning your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. Now, uh, I remember one time, brother, uh, I think it might have been Sister Diane or Brother David came to me. And he said, do you know uh, where in the Bible uh, that, that, it, that it says that the man is the one that's supposed to make the coffee? I said, no, I don't. He said, yes, right here, Hebrews. Well, I like Shebrews better, but... 
We're in Hebrews chapter number 11 today. Today we're going to talk about faith. Now, I don't know about you, but Brother John has just stirred my faith. Stirred my faith to believe, to endure. And you know what? When you have faith, it doesn't mean, and we've just heard, that you don't ever have any problems. You think if you became a Christian and all of a sudden you don't have any more problems and everything is a bed of roses and you're just going to float through life, uh, you, you, you're, you're uh, sadly mistaken. When you begin to make a declaration that you're going to follow after what God has for your life, amen, you just got on Satan's radar. And the Bible says we have an adversary seeking whom he may devour. But can I tell you today, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So, but what is the key to that? I've got to believe that. Brother John just was all over my message today. And so we'll just continue what he started. Now, uh, I'm going to ask uh, you to pray today with me as I preach because uh, this chapter contains pretty much the whole Bible. And I could preach the whole Bible today, but I'm going to try not to. How many is praying I won't? Yeah, I know you are. I'm going to pre- preach until I see it snowing, then I'll quit. Y'all know we're from Texas, right? If we see two snowflakes, I'll be snowed in tomorrow. So don't call me to do anything. I, I won't be able to get out. It's too bad. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1. Here we go. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. The King James Version says uh, that faith is the, what? Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How many has a lot of things in your life that you're hoping for, but you haven't seen them yet? The first 21 years of my life, I I was hoping, praying, believing for a spouse. 1988, my New Year's resolution was to find a mate in 88. I'd already been to Bible school. I'd already uh, had my biblical studies degree. I'd already come back home. I was preaching and, and serving in ministry. And my cousin says, hey, come take some courses at TJC. And so I went and just took what he took, because I wanted to be in class with him. So I took a sociology class, and I I took a weightlifting class, and uh, I took a Bible class over at the Baptist Student Union. And uh, one day, here come this 18-year-old young lady walking in, caught my attention. And in 1989, I married that girl. See, I believe in in, in long uh, engagements. We met in December. No, we met in October, got engaged in December, and got married in May. And in May, it'll be 33 years. And she hadn't killed me yet. 
32. It feels like 33. <laughs> Woo! As Brother John was giving all those details saying he survived, I was thinking, but you might not when you get home. Faith is the confidence that what you hope for will actually happen. I spent 21 years hoping and believing, but one day what I was hoping and believing became reality. Don't give up on your hopes. Don't give up on your dreams. You've got to believe and have faith. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Now, I'm going to preach this entire chapter. So, if you're following along, keep following along. I'll, I'll read a little bit and preach a little bit. And I'll still get you out by noon. <laughs> Brother John, they don't have faith. I can tell right now. <laughs> Through faith. Everybody say through faith. The people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith we understood that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. But God just spoke it. What are you speaking today? Are your words full of doubt, fear, and unbelief? Are you speaking those things that are not as though they were? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I can tell if somebody has faith or not just by what comes out of their mouth. It was by faith that Abel... Brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead. He still speaks to us by example of faith. Are your gifts an example of your faith? The Bible says where you put your treasure, that's where your heart is. I mean, when you, when you believe in something, you'll invest in it. I'm telling you, your offerings, your giving, you need to look at it and say, Lord, where's my faith in this gift? It was by faith that Enoch was taken up into heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. For it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. It is impossible. But pastor, I thought you said all things are possible. You mean to tell me there's something that's impossible? Well, according to God's word, there is. What is it? Let's read it. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Okay, let's go back to verse number one and let's see what faith is again. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us an assurance about things we cannot see. Amen. So many people cannot believe God because they can't see Him. I can't believe in that because I haven't 
seen it. I have experienced it. Amen. It was, it, it was Thomas who said, well, after other people had seen Jesus alive, they said, we can't believe it. He, I cannot believe it until I see it. I've got to see the prince in his hand. I've got to see the wound in his side before I believed. And then Jesus showed up and said, Thomas, touch my hands. Look at my side. Oh, Thomas, he believed then. And Jesus looked at Thomas and Thomas and he said, Thomas, you're blessed because you've seen and believed. But more blessed are they who have not seen yet believe. You see, I haven't seen for myself yet. One day I'll see him face to face. But today here I take it by faith and that pleases God. Thank you for that patty cake. Verse number seven. For it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. What do you mean it's going to rain? There's never been rain. I haven't seen rain before. We've never experienced it. Therefore, it can't be true. But God said it. If God tells you something, it doesn't matter if it's ever happened before or not. It doesn't matter if somebody else has done it. You don't have to have precedence. All you need is the word of the Lord. And God said, it's going to rain, build a boat. And he worked on it how long? A hundred years. Most of you, uh, you, 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 you couldn't, I mean, you started fasting. I mean, and, and uh, uh, you started fasting when, when the sun came up. And about like eight o'clock, you were starving to death. <laughs> Some of you endured longer than others. But we're so easy to give up, aren't we? When our flesh is uh, suffering a little bit. That whole hundred years, everybody told him he was crazy. Everybody, you're nuts. What are you doing? I'm building a boat. Why are you building a boat? It's going to rain. There's no such thing. But God told me to build it. I'm going to obey God. And he preached, get on the boat. Well, after a hundred years, the boat's finished. And all of a sudden, all the animals showed up two by two. And he told them, get on the boat. No, I don't need to get on the boat. It's not going to happen. You've been, you, you've been saying this is going to happen for a hundred years. And it hadn't happened. How many, have you heard people, oh, that's not going to happen. You've been preaching that. You've been preaching that a hundred years. You've been preaching that. They've been saying Jesus is coming. They've been, oh, none of that's going to happen. And then the Bible says, God shut the door. And it started to rain. And then everybody came and started knocking, let me in. And Noah's heart was broken because he couldn't. God had shut the door and locked it. And the world died. Except those who had faith enough in, a, in, in Noah to get on the boat. His family. And some of them probably didn't even believe him. They just got on the boat because he said to, maybe. I don't know. But you know what? Thank God, God spared them. Somebody believed God. Are you that somebody? Are you going to be in the boat? 
Are you going to be the ones outside the boat? It depends on your faith. Let's keep going. Look at verse number 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was a foreigner living in tents. He was a foreigner. Did you know the Bible says that this world is not our home? We're just passing through. I'm a foreigner. I'm a Texan, but I'm a foreigner. Why? Because I wasn't created for this earth. I was created for eternity with Jesus. Amen. This is just the the trial. This is the dressing room. This is where, amen, I get to make my choices. This is where I get opportunity, amen, to choose Jesus or refuse him, to believe he's coming back for me or not. Even though he said when he went away and the angel said, this same Jesus that you see going away is coming again in like manner. Jesus himself said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. He's coming back to get us, but you know what? He comes back to get somebody every moment. When it's our time, I want to be ready. When he comes, he said, well, I find faith on the earth. Somebody say, I believe. He said, so did, so did his son Isaac and Jacob, who had inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren. And too old, she believed. She also laughed, but then she believed. Sometimes we laugh at God's promises first, don't we? Sometimes we go, that, that's just craziness. That can't happen. When she had Isaac, she was 90 years old. And Abraham was how old? 100. Even, hold on, let me get down here. Look, look, look. And she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation comes from this one man who was as good as dead. When you're 100, you're as good as dead. <laughs> look, if you're getting close, I'm sorry. Some of you are 50 and act like you're good as dead. Come on, listen. As long as there's life in your body, believe God. God, he told them years ago you're going to have a child. His seed is going to be the sands of the sea. How's it going to be? I don't know. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to get up from where you're at and go somewhere else. Where are we going? I'll show you on the way. And by faith, they went out on the journey, not knowing where God was leading them, but they just went by faith. So if you don't want to go unless God tells you exactly how long the trip is, what's going to be the stop, if there's going to be a Bucky's on the way, if you're going to... Come on. Can't stop. You can't go on a trip without stopping by Bucky's. You go in for a bathroom stop and spend 50 bucks. But when God said it's going to happen, it happened. And then, a nation with so many people, like the stars in the sky, the sand of the seashore, there's no way to count them. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. Listen, don't let your faith end even if you get to the point of death and you haven't seen everything that God, amen, uh, promised you to do. Still believe. Amen, I'm telling you, let's don't ever get in the point to where we doubt what God has said in our lives. Believe God. Believe God. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son from whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would bring him back to life again. And in this sense... Abraham did receive his son 
from the dead. I'm telling you, oh, what a, what a crazy story. You need to go read it sometime. Amen. Here, God had been promising him this all these years. And then all of a sudden, after he's 100, his wife's 90, they have the baby. And now this baby has grown up to a child. And then God speaks to him and says, take that child and go offer him as a sacrifice. The Bible says that Abraham loaded up the stuff. Put the boy on the donkey. I'm sure he didn't tell Sarah. Because if he'd have told Sarah, she'd be like, "Uh uh-uh. You're not taking my boy nowhere. Kill my boy, kill. Oh, no, no, no. But Abraham had faith. He believed God. He took him up there. They were on their way up the hill. And the son said, "Uh, Dad. I mean, he was a pretty bright boy. Dad. Uh, we're going up here to make a sacrifice, and I see the wood, and I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham said something so key that we need to get today. He said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And it was not till God, Abraham put him on the altar and raised his knife that the angel stopped him and said, don't kill him. And he looked and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And God said, offer him instead. And God said, Abraham, because I see that you'll not withhold anything from me, I'm going to bless you. There's so many times, amen, that what God has given us, and then when he asks for it back, we go, mine. And go, God's like, well, I, I can't bless you then. You see, you're trying to stop at a son, but I'm trying to give you a nation. And now that I see that you won't withhold your very son, now he made him great. And the whole land, the people of Israel were born out of that blessing. Can I get a big amen? It was by faith that Isaac promised blessing for his future sons, Jacob and Esau, and bowed in worship to lean on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt, and he commanded them to take his bones when they left. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him three months when he was born, for they saw that he was an unusual child. Any parents here say, I have an unusual child? (laughs) Can I tell you, I was an unusual child. I did not have a tail. My brother told me my whole life, they got me at the zoo, shaved my hair off, cut my tail off. I was a monkey. I was not. But when I was little, it'd make me cry. It was by faith. When they looked and they saw there's something different. And the king said, you got to do this. They said, uh-uh, not my baby. I'm going to take him. I'm willing to give him to God. Put him in the Nile. And I'm telling you, God had a reason. And God raised up Moses to be the deliverer of Israel. Come on. Don't kill the promise God has put in your heart. Don't abort the baby. Amen. The faith that God has planted a seed inside of you. If you'll believe. If you'll have faith. Amen. God will bring it to fruition. Amen. Hallelujah. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. Some of you are looking for the here and the now and what I can get. But you've got to be willing to give up what you have here so that you can receive a greater reward later. I'm willing whatever you want me to do. He said, Moses left the land of Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. I wish I had more time to preach on that right there because I'm telling you there's a God. Amen. He might be invisible to you by the naked eye, but he is visible by by faith. If you'll trust him, if you'll believe him, amen, he'll make the invisible visible. He'll make the impossible possible. He will do it if you'll just believe. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover, to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost so the angel of death would not kill their firstborns. It was by faith that the people of Israel went through the Red Sea as they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Oh, I'm declaring to you today that the enemy you see today, even you're not going to see again tomorrow because God's about to drown them. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she was given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of Gideon, Barak, uh, uh, Samson, uh, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets by faith. These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God has promised. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back to death again. Back to life again. No, they didn't receive them back to death again. Woo! I remember that story. The lady, her husband died. He was a mean old goat. And uh, he died and uh, they, they came out. The undertaker came out to get him and they put him on the gurney. And uh, they were on their way out the gate and they hit the fence post. And he fell off and hit the ground and bam, it shocked him back to life again. He lived for a few more years and then he died. They came back and got him again. On their way out, the lady said, hey, be careful, don't hit that gate post. now it's it's exciting it's great it's it's wonderful to talk about how that 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 by faith amen we had all these obstacles and and by faith we believe god and god delivered us and god brought us out and god prospered us but can i tell you you've got to have faith even when everything don't work out the way you thought it would you've got to have faith even when you go by trouble and now we're going to read a little more here we are down in verse number 36 35b, but others were tortured, refusing to 
turned from God in order to be free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went from wearing skins of sheep and goats. Destitute, oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains. Hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people. Earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. Amen. God. Listen. All of these things that I've read you today. All of these people did these great things of faith without Jesus ever dying on the cross. They didn't know forgiveness of sins. They didn't have the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They still were walking according to the law. They still were having to amen, make sacrifices of, of all the animals. But Jesus said, I came, amen, that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came and died on the cross that you may live. And that is better. We, by the Bible says, have a better promise. We have the promise of salvation. We have the promise, amen, of eternal life. We have the promise that we're going to get to live eternity with all of these great men and women of faith. I'm asking you today, what is your testimony going to be? When I preach your funeral, what am I going to say? Will I be able to say they were a person of faith? They believed God. They stood faithful. Will I be able to say, amen, they did it well? Amen. Or will I just say, well, they're done? No. I don't want to get to heaven and say, well, you're done. I want to hear, well done. My good and faithful servant. Amen. You believed God in adversity. You believed me in the good and the bad. Amen. You trusted me when you saw it. And you trusted me when you didn't. You didn't give up when times got hard. Amen. You were still faithful. You lived a life of faith. What are you living today? Are you living a life of faith? Or are you living a life of fear? Is your trust in Jesus... Are you still believing in things that you cannot see? Or do you just believe what you see, what you hear, what you read? Are you just believe what's on Facebook? Well, then you be, you're believing a lie. <laughs> Come on, don't believe all the, the things the world's got to say. Believe God. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. And it's 12 o'clock and I'm through. And some of y'all did not have faith. And it is snowing. Hallelujah. 